Welcome back to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Mr. Cornwell here. Thanks for coming in for another exciting episode. Today I have a special guest on the line. I have a teacher from Noonan High School, Miss Hammond. She teaches U.S. history and mainly advanced placement U.S. history. Uh, Miss Hammond, thanks for joining us today. Oh, hello. Yeah, I'm glad. I hope none of your students booed me when they heard me right there. But yes, I, I'm from Noonan and I'm glad to be talking to you. No, they usually save the booing for me. You know, okay, well, that, that's nice, at least, I guess, not me. Don't hate me because I'm at Noonan. <laughs> okay, how long have you been teaching at Noonan, Miss Hammond? Uh, this is actually my 10th year at Noonan. I, I, was, I taught four years before in DeKalb County. Yes, I'm starting my 10th year at NHS. So I have a question for you. How in the world does a teacher from DeKalb County wind up in Noonan, Georgia? <laughs> well, um, I actually grew up in Noonan. And then um, after I graduated from college, I lived in Atlanta for about seven years. And so that's how I ended up in DeKalb. And then um, I kind of just, you know, it was just really fast paced. And I kind of just, you know, I always kind of wanted to get in with, back with Coweta County. And I tried and, you know, I had experience with APOS history. And I think that's what got my foot in the door. So, uh, yeah, so full circle moment. Kind of like a homecoming is what you're saying then. It, it really is. Excellent. So, um, Miss Hammond, how's your school year? I know we're early into the school year here, not too far into the <laughs> second week here. How's your year going so far? I, I think one word, interesting. Um, it's no day, no single day is boring because, you know, that tornado, uh, we had 13 That's right. buildings. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so 13 buildings, 10 out of 13 buildings uh, could not be used. And the main building is no more. So, uh, yeah, our classrooms is done. It's so just, my it's old classroom, now. who's in my old room? <laughs> uh, air, there is no nope, classroom. It's gone it, it is, completely? It is completely gone. Well, I left just in time, gone. didn't I? Exactly. And it, it's crazy, like the the... The, they switched the bus rider and car rider section and the, the main um, loop that the cars go through. It's just gravel now. Um, oh, wow. we ha- and we have what's cool is since we don't have many buildings, there are at least three what we call modulars. And each modular, it's like a big trailer, and it houses um, about 15 classrooms each. So, And then the freshmen all together are five minutes away at CEC. We call it Cougar Village. So at least I don't have to deal with freshmen. Yeah, isn't, isn't that the <laughs> truth? They don't even have to supervise them. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, Miss Hammond, what is our subject today? I, I forget the topic. What are we talking about? Okay, well, we're pulling from Standard 3, and it is the Intolerable Act. Ooh, the Intolerable Acts. Um, what's intolerable mean? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> intolerable means unbearable. Like it's something that's so painful it's unbearable, or in other words, the pain is intolerable. It's intolerable acts. So let me ask, what government would pass acts that they can't tolerate? That doesn't make sense to me. How uh, did they get the name England? intolerable acts? Uh, England. England was our mother country. Oh, they were called an intolerable acts in the colonies. Yes. Did yes, they call they were, them the intolerable acts in England, too? No, 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 no. England actually called them the coercive acts, and the coercive acts 
um, when you coerce someone, that means you're forcing someone. And so um, England, when Parliament passed the English law, it was called the Coercive Act. But the colonists, because it was so bad toward the colonists, they called it the Intolerable Act. So, so uh, when were they passed, roughly? Do you remember? Uh, it was the 1770s, uh, I believe, like 1774. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's 1774. Oh, so punishment <laughs> for the Tea Party. Oh, wait, hold, hold on. 1773, my bad, 1773. 74, so they passed them to punish the colonists for the Tea Party? Yes. It was a, it what was the purpose of the coercive slash intolerable? What, since this is U.S. history and we live where the colonies are, we'll call them the intolerable acts, not the coercive acts. You know what? Let's do that. Makes it easy. Intolerable acts. So Sounds what, good. What was the purpose? Why did England pass a series of these acts? What was the main purpose for it? Okay. Well, um, in 1773, December 1773, there was the Boston Tea Party, and um We'll get to that in a second, but the sole purpose of the Intolerable Act was that England wanted to punish the colonists for um, throwing the Boston Tea Party. I guess you could say rebelling with the Boston Tea Party. It was a punishment. Okay, and, and I think we're going to get in more into the Boston Tea Party in the next segment, so we'll have more details yeah. on that coming up. So, so basically, they were passed as punishment for the Tea Party. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. and... Yeah, and also I want to point out, too, they wanted to make make the punishment on the colonists so severe that um, they really wanted to make an example out of those rebels in Boston so no one else would want, get any idea to rebel and do, like, another type of rebellion, a rebellious act like the Boston Tea Party. It really was to stop all that rebellion and prevent more further rebellion. So not just Boston. You're talking New York, Baltimore, exactly. Savannah, even? So all exactly. the major port cities. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I can understand that for sure. All right, Miss Hammond, let's go ahead and take a short break and let's pay some bills. So while we take a break, I hope you all enjoy this commercial from one of our paid sponsors, the British East India Company. Have you ever found yourself in the position where you're trying to make the perfect pie for your family, but you just ran out of sugar? Or have you ever been trying to make the perfect outfit for your husband but just ran out of silk and you just can't seem to find any more silk anywhere in your house. Well, if this describes you, fear not. Be sure to use the British East India Company for all your needs. We're the largest corporation in the world. We even have our own army, which guarantees your shipments will arrive fast and secure. Why spend more from other shippers when you can buy directly from the British East India Company? We have plenty of colonies in India, which allows us to process and ship much cheaper, which saves you money. So no matter what your needs are, if you need cotton, silk, indigo, sugar, salt, opium, or especially tea, be sure to utilize the British East India Company for all your colonial needs. All right, so speaking of the British East India Tea Company, Mr. Cornwell, uh, can you enlighten us and tell us about uh, the East India Tea Company and how it led to the Boston Tea Party? Okay, well, real quick and simple, um, the English government was basically doing the colonies dirty here. Because if you remember by 1773, the end of 73, since the French and Indian War, the last decade since the 60s, 
the colonists had been rebelling against English rule. Basically, England passed a tax. The colonists would rebel, sometimes violently, and then England couldn't enforce the tax because they were too far away, and then they would wind up repealing it, and the whole process would start over again. So by the time we get to 73, England's kind of getting fed up. So what they do, it's pretty genius. The English government cuts the price of English tea dramatically, makes it the cheapest tea out there, and then they add a small tax to it. So therefore, if you're living in Boston, you can buy English tea with a tax is now the cheapest, not the more expensive one. Or you can buy Dutch East India tea or your own inferior tea, but it's more expensive. So what England's doing is pretty ingenious. They're, they're getting, they're hitting people, you know, people are protesting and they're saying, we're not going to support this. We're not taking this. Well, it's easy to do. It's hard to protest when it costs you money. So right. now they're telling them, we'll see who's real, put money where the mouth is, because the English tea is actually cheaper, even though it has a small tax. Then, of course, once people accept the tax, they'll just raise the prices up later. That's, so it's a really smart idea by the English government to get so, the colonists so, to accept taxes. Okay, so what you're saying is, is like, at first, the, the, this idea of this tea and the price going down with a little tax and all that kind of stuff, it looks like the colonists are winning in the situation, but really it's a deal that's too good to be true. And over time, the English parliament will get their way. Yeah, once the once the precedence of an established tax is there, then you can't argue about no taxation or representation. Once it's established, then they can raise ah, it. It's, it's gotcha. genius is what it really is. Mm-hmm. So the key, though, is how Boston interprets it. So once news comes over here and Boston realized that an organization called the Sons of Liberty, which had formed way back in the early 1760s to oppose British taxation, uh, they planned to go down to the Boston Harbor and any British tea that's in the harbor that night, they're going to dress up very shabbily as Native Americans and think of like a bad teenage Halloween costume. Right, right. Like, you know, when they're like 8.30 and they, I want candy, so they throw a sheet on and run out. That, they, they want them to know it's not in Native Americans. It, yes. Correct. But they go down there and they raid the harbor. They empty, I think, three ships, something like that. Um, over wow. about, in today's money, it's a little more than $2 million worth of English tea is dumped wow. to the bottom and of the harbor. Wow, and you know... After the French Indian War, England was already so much in debt. So this yeah. was basically a slap in the face. So now England's even more in debt thanks to this vandalism by Bostonians. Yeah, this is this is a watershed moment. This is one you don't mm-hmm. cross back from. So, oh, yeah. so once word gets back to England that this has happened, that the colonists in Boston, or should I say the English colonists, they're all Englishmen at this point, the right. English colonists in Boston have done this to the king's tea, to British tea. It infuriates Parliament, the Prime Minister, and the King. So that that's basically the backdrop to the Tea Party of what it was and who is behind it and what effect. And that leads directly into the Intolerable Acts. All right. So insert the Intolerable Acts. Um So just remember, in response to the Boston Tea Party, Parliament is going to unleash and punish the colonists with what is called the Intolerable Act. So let's break it down into five parts. Um, And again, it says Act, 
So more than one part. There are five acts inside of this, okay? So the first one makes a lot of sense. You know, the Boston Tea Party took place where, you know, in Boston where all the tea was dumped. And so the um, Boston Port Act will uh, closes the Boston Port. So that means no one can leave that port. So anyone who needs to sell stuff, you know, to other places, they are you know, they are docked. They cannot leave. So what and, you're telling me is several families that live in Boston, the father is unemployed or businesses are shut up yes, overnight. Exactly. Economic All hardship. Exactly. And, and it makes sense. The parliament says when you basically repay the debt from this Boston Tea Party, we'll reopen it. But not a second before. Harsh, okay, so yes. Harsh. Very harsh. There are people who are now starved because of that that act alone. And because of government more. policy is what we're talking about. Exactly. Um, the next one is about self-government. We've talked about the general court. We've talked about town meetings with the Puritans in Boston. Um, well, Parliament wants to shut down basically any type of colonial government. Okay? And uh, any colonial governments will be suspended and a royal governor will be in place to directly control, to make sure self-government cannot happen. Whoa, 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 whoa. That, that can't, are you making, is that true? Oh yeah. So Remember, you, you mean to tell me. Act. <laughs> well, you mean to tell me, thank you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What this literally means is some of these towns around Boston go back to the 1620s and 30s. So mm-hmm. these citizens, for 150 years, when average colonists probably lived to, what, 30, 40 years? So we're mm-hmm. talking, I mean, how many generations? Seven, eight generations? Yeah. Uh, uh, have been governing themselves with little interference, and now the king says, what? Yep, zero self-government. Yeah. Wow, yep. wow. They, they, so, I mean. uh, it sounds like to me that King George III has had it with the colonists at this point. Yeah, he, he definitely wants you know, the, the colonists to suffer. And this is definitely a reality check. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, Put his foot down. Exactly. Uh, and number three, okay. Any British official that are accused of, um, you know, committing any crimes in the colonies, uh, they will be sent to England rather than being tried in Massachusetts. Wow. Now this is like, to me, this kind of reminds me of like taking a knife, and putting in someone and then turning the knife because what they're saying is, is, Hey, British officials, if you are, if you're found, if you're accused of doing something wrong in the colonies, we'll take you back to England and protect you and give you an air quote, a fair trial. You know, it it, it can't get any worse than that. So what you're telling me is this third act, what it basically did was allow the British redcoats, the army who are occupying Boston at this point, a free reign to terrorize the citizens of Boston. Exactly. And the worst punishment they would get is be sent home, which is where probably exactly. all of them want to be anyways. Yeah, and they'll probably be protected there too. Oh, the, the chances of them being convicted of a serious crime in England for something happening in the colonies is next to zero. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you know wow. what's crazy is we still have two more parts of these in, this intolerable act. No. So the next one... It can't, me, it can't get worse. Are you are you no. are you making this up? Or are you is this real? Oh no 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 no! This this is horrible. And honestly, wow. the next one is the one that I think would um, give me the most anxiety and stress and you know sleepless nights. Um, the quartering act. Now we're not talking about quarters. We're talking about like coin quarters. We're talking quarters, as in like 
sleeping quarters, housing quarters. Um, So, and if you look at it, it's kind of an indirect tax, but those red coats that basically can do whatever they want. And if they're accused of something, you know, they go back to England. Well, uh, this is another way to make the colonists, especially in Boston, suffer. Um, Now colonists are required, okay, to house redcoats, British soldiers, in their homes. So a a redcoat could just, you know, you go home tonight, a redcoat could, you know, five of them with, you know, guns can knock on your door and say, I'm sleeping here tonight for the next month. I want a roasted chicken. I need my clothes washed and, and, you know, uh, hung out to dry by two days. And if not, you are going to jail. I mean, that is a violation of our property and our privacy. So if you add up all four of those, what you're basically telling me is the British government is telling Boston overnight they shut down the economy. Yes. The ports. Secondly, they took away self-rule, self-government. Yep. And then the army, any British official, including soldiers, who you now have to put in your house and sleep. They sleep in your house, eat in your house, and they can do whatever they want, and there's no punishment for them. Right, and that costs you a lot of money, too. Yeah, That you probably don't have because your dad just lost his job because you're a company. Exactly, exactly. Lose, lose, definitely, for the colonists. Wow. This, 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 then, this is almost at a breaking point. Like, like most mm-hmm. this is not sustainable for, for long. Oh, no, 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 no. Definitely, you know, watershed. Um, so the fifth one is called the Quebec Act. A lot of people forget about this one. But y'all remember that Quebec was established by the French a year after Jamestown was established. Mm-hmm. So Quebec is in, you know, present-day Canada. So it's north of us, north of Massachusetts also. And um, it expanded that border. Uh, so it actually allowed Quebec to get bigger. And you're thinking, what the, what the heck? That, that's random. Well, Quebec is a French territory. And the French are Catholic. And so this is one of those things where the King, King George III in Parliament said, yeah, let's make Quebec bigger and have more Catholics there next to the Puritans in Boston. It was just, let's make those Puritans uncomfortable in Boston. Just another Just provoking strike. them. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah. So it, I mean, it, it's just really bad. And no wonder they were called the Intolerable Acts because life was unbearable. Thank you, Ms. Hammond. Those are great and very enlightening points. Let's go ahead and take our final commercial break. And while we collect our final thoughts, I hope you enjoy the song More Than a Feeling from the rock band Boston, which seems appropriate since the intolerable acts applied to the port city of Boston. We'll be right back.
All right, Miss Hammond, we are back. The Intolerable Acts were passed by Parliament in England to punish the port city mm-hmm. of Boston and make an example of them to not just Boston, but the other 13 colonies. Yep. So did they do the job? Is that the effect they had? What effect did they actually have in Boston in 1774? So it, it, to me, it's kind of funny because, again, it was about trying to punish and, you know, divide the colonists by making them suffer. And what it actually did is that it unified, it united the colonists. It's the idea that the, the colonists, due to the Intolerable Acts, were pushed down so hard economically, religiously, you know, politically, that they decided we have nothing to lose and we need to unite because this is a violation of so many of our rights as English men and women. And so, long story short, the Intolerable Act actually had the opposite effect that Parliament wanted it to. Yeah, instead of division and weakness and punishment, you get unification. So so at a a time, this is the 1770s, 1774. So if you're living in Savannah, Georgia, which is a port city, Mm -hmm. Uh, You mean, tell me, Savannah winds up supporting Boston, even though if you live in Savannah, chances are you probably never go to Boston. Exactly. So so how does that happen? Why would the people in Savannah care about what happens to Boston? Like, how does this unify? Why would they be unified instead of divided? Well, one thing um, to get to that, how does it lead to, you know, unification is... um, we hopefully you learned about the you know the committees of correspondence and that's oh, yeah, that letter that. writing committee. Those and were the so, smart people, the brains of the the revolution exactly. of the mind, as John Adams says. Exactly, and you know they're they're the ones. So even though Parliament and English and the Redcoats thought that oh we've set we stopped all this stuff, you better believe it that the people of Boston sent letters through the you know the secret committees of correspondence, and they will send letters to all the colonies and let them know it's like, hey, look what's happening here. You're probably next. Does England know about these letters? Oh, not at all. It's secret. And I think that that is amazing. Um, I think, so the whole time they think, oh, England's like, we got them. But really, uh, the colonists had um, the upper hand because they secretly were communicating through letters and the British didn't know. So that makes sense. So even if you are a citizen of Savannah, an Englishman living in Savannah, even though you're never going to go to Boston, so who really cares? But because you're communicating and you become unified, Mm -hmm. what that means is what you're thinking is what happens in Boston in 1774 could happen in Savannah Mm -hmm. in 75, 76. Oh, definitely. So it brings it together instead of dividing them. That, That makes a lot of sense. And, and then what's cool is, you know, people realize uh, because they were pushed, that people of Boston and then the Committee of Correspondence wrote about it to all the colonies, the colonists um, realized, man, we have to meet now. Like, if we don't, like, we're, we're uniting secretly with the Committee of Correspondence, but if we don't send delegates from the colonies together and physically meet face-to-face, like, we have to be a step ahead of the British, and that's what leads to um, the first Continental Congress, uh, the actual first so, meeting so of the, the colonies. So the Intolerable Acts actually lead to the Congress, the unification, mm-hmm. and then eventually war. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, that, that's fantastic. That's, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thanks a lot, Miss Hammond, for coming on Mr. Cornwell's Corner today. Um, any words of wisdom for us before you depart? <laughs> no, just, uh, well, I guess maybe uh, thank you for having me. I definitely enjoyed this. You're welcome. And uh, you know what? I'm going to leave you with my favorite quote from Judy Garland, okay? It's always be a first-rate version of yourself instead of a second-rate version of somebody else. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful quote from a beautiful person. Thank you very well, much for coming you. on today. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss another episode. See you next time. I am Blaine Jaffe, the voice of the intro and exit for Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Thank you for listening.